0: Is it time for your business to pay it back? Hello, I'm William Eastman, executive producer of Richmond Biz Live. And if this is your challenge as a business owner, then don't miss a single show. Either listen live at 10 o'clock every Saturday on WLE News Talk 990, or download our podcast at richmondbizlive.com. Every show, we tackle those issues marketing, sales, people, customers, and finance that are limiting your success. If it's time to get paid back for your years of investment and sacrifice, join us this Saturday at 10 o'clock for Richmond Biz Live. This is the time, this is the place, and you are the business owner. Welcome to the studios of WLEE News Talk 990 in beautiful downtown Richmond. The show is Richmond Biz Live. And what are we about? We are dedicated to business owners and entrepreneurs who are looking for the payoff. And why this show? Why are we the only resource available to you? Well, Richmond, like most communities, is very good at looking at startups and creating incubators for people that are looking to get into business. But nobody, and I mean nobody is doing anything for those of you out there who have been in business for a number of years, and now what you're looking at is you're looking at all the blood, sweat, and tears, all the investment, all the sacrifice you put into your business, and you're saying it hasn't paid me back. Well, you're at the right spot because if your dream hasn't paid you back for all that sacrifice and all the years and everything you missed, this is the show. How do you get here? Well, you get your company back on track. The way you start is, one, you call in, 844 249-5483 Two four nine five four eight three. That's eight four four two four nine five four eight three. Or if you're in a car, eight four four Biz Live. Um, or you can visit our website where you can watch us. And you can see it, you got a little button there. It says Watch us, or you can listen and stream it over the web at RichmondBizLive.com. And I'm William Eastman. I am the executive producer of the show and managing partner for work So new new visitors, let me say a couple of things. What and what and why. The why behind or the what behind this is basically we have international, national or local thought leaders, people who are recognized for their expertise in a, in a subject area. For example, Linda Heath is in the studios this morning from Financial Holographics, and she is an expert in the area of finance. But not only is she a subject matter expert and thought leader, she runs her own business because everything that we do is anchored in the reality of running a company. All of our presentations are basically 15 minute standalones. That either one, if you're interested in the topic at hand, you get everything that you need plus some downloads off the website. Or number two, if you are a regular listener, you can string them all together and you go, wow, these make sense because they really do. Okay. And the issue is, you know, what are we doing? It's based upon five key questions. Um, and these key questions came to me uh, because it's what I asked myself every Saturday morning, or used to be every Saturday morning. And that is, are we on budget, which is about cash flow, cash on hand, number one. Number two, are we on plan? Where are we in marketing and sales? Are we closing the deals we're supposed to be closing? Are we converting leads into prospects, et cetera? Number three, are we on schedule? Which means we're all of us provide something to somebody, whether you're in manufacturing or services. If we plan to get it done on a certain date, was it done? Uh, the fourth one is resolution. We all have customers customers will complain. What are we doing about the complaints? And then finally, the last one is kind of the overall metrics and how the, how is the human factor, how are the people in the company performing? And so that is what this program is based upon. Now today, our three shows today, number one is going to be Linda, as I said, Linda Heath from Financial Holographics talking about a finance area. And uh, she is a former banker and she's going to have some interesting insights on either how to look at the bank or how the bank looks at you. Then we got Mike Carroll, from Focus Business in Sandler who is going to be in talking about marketing and sales and specifically the issue of sales forecasting and compensation and then I'm going to conclude today uh, talking about customer service and I'm going to talk about two issues that always come together. One is do we service internally as well as we try to service out externally and number two something that I'm living with right now as VP of a manufacturing firm in southwest Virginia is is selling overwhelming service. In other words, are we bringing in so many new accounts that we can't take care of our current customer base? And as most of you know, as I've said many times on here, it costs you five times as much money to get a new account because of the cost of sales than it does to, to keep an account. So therefore, servicing existing accounts is really selling to existing clients. That's the way I, I view it. So with that, let me reintroduce to the studio Linda Heath. Good morning, Linda. Good morning, Bill.
1: How are you? I'm doing great. Have you had a great week?
0: Uh, I had a long, long week. Do you want to hear about it, or do you want to go later?
1: Oh, later. But Ah, let me tell you, I had a, that's not the way it works, week. (laughs) Um, I don't know if you've seen the commercials where you've got the old lady who tapes photographs of her vacation to a living room wall. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She calls that posting. That's her Facebook wall? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And then you've got the other lady who's sitting there with her grandson at the dining room table. It's nice polished antique dining room table and she's smashing hard candies with a hammer and calling it the candy crush game <laughs> but in in both cases the, there's somebody in the, in the scene who goes that's not how it works that's not how any of this works <laughs> and i ran into that i um have a client in another state and he's in a very seasonal business he is using our nimble knowledge toolbox my goal for him my project with him is to help him figure out the right bank and um, he's getting some ugly smoke signals from his current bank oh, wow. about what's going to happen when the line of credit renews and in fact it was going to renew we needed to pull some work together and I wrote a letter that he put on his letterhead and he got a 90-day extension from his banks. so I'm trying to get the CPA to give me the information I need they've got a COO that he's hired really smart guy who's built much much larger companies in his field I get the, the two of them on the phone and say, let me show you what we've got so far and why we need to keep step it up so I can get to work for him. Um, you know, this company has the potential to be a breakthrough company. And this COO can take them there and help the owner, John. Um, and what happened is that it's this threw me back real live into all the hypothetical conversations we've had about cash basis accounting versus accrual. So yeah. let me tell you how this went. Um, The new accountant has built a correct balance sheet. The old accountant was not doing a good job with that. So they're showing receivables and payables on the balance sheet. So that's basically an accrual-based balance sheet. Um, This industry is very seasonal, and some of their largest customers will sign a contract for the year, but then they're going to only pay pay in flat monthly fees eight, nine, or ten months. They spread it out. But because of the way this business works, he has to buy all his materials, or the bulk of his materials for that contract. At the very beginning of the season and most of his labor is expended so they've been charging that in the month when they spent the money wow and um so we were looking at the numbers so it's in the dashboard and the coo is going well show me the net profit show me the net profit and we could see some months are profitable year to date some months are not profitable he's going yeah yeah but that's the season that's you know we know we're profitable because we have these jobs we've just Mm -hmm. booked all the expenses up front and i said well why don't we amortize the costs To match the revenue period. That would be accrual-based accounting. That would be the right way to do it. So far, so good. Mm -hmm. I'm with you. Okay. So the accountant, who's a smart woman, I respect her, she goes, oh, but you know what? Then John would have to keep track of each month, what percentage of the materials have I spent? What percentage of the labor have we done so far? And I said, no, that's a percentage of completion basis. Right. But they're paying the revenue on a flat basis. Why don't you just set up a memorized transaction? Um, The chief operating officer is setting up job cost accounting so they right. can match so when john approves the expenses he has to put the job number she can set up a formula and just go oh this is part of that nine month job and you know i said just put it in an account called costs in excess of billing it's like prepaid put it in prepaids. right like a like a deposit correct and then every month when you go in and you're invoicing your customer for that month's revenue expense one eighth or one ninth of that account well i don't know and offline the the Uh, COO is saying, well, Linda, I've done this in other companies. It's not as easy as you think. And, and sometimes it causes trouble. And I said, we need to have a sit down conversation. So, um, you know, my brain is screaming, "Ah, that's not how it It works." works. Because what they're asking me to do is then begin analyzing this business, knowing out of the box that what i'm looking at isn't accurate it doesn't accurately reflect right. and then we have to go back to the job cost reports the way it's supposed to work is when i look at those high level numbers when the mm-hmm. ceo ceo when the the owner of this business and i sit down and look at the high level numbers we should see even in the beginning of the season there's some profit in the business if the jobs are profitable right we should not have to sit there and adjust and if we see something that's out of whack because we know the scorekeeping has been done properly Then we dig down into the different reports, and he might find out at that point, oh, my gosh, this supervisor is so overworked. He's running from job to job, and he's not organized. He's forgetting materials, and so he's going and picking things up. And when he's not there, the guys aren't doing what they're supposed to do. And my labor costs are 29% higher than they should be on these three major contracts that are bulk of my revenue for the year, bulk of my gross profit. So that's if you do the numbers up front right, um, that's the value you get. So I'm going to have a conversation and uh, with the COO who brought me in. And um, it, I may not continue to go forward with this company. If wow. I can't yeah. win that battle, um, I'm not going to analyze numbers that I know we're not even play, playing by the rules. That just really goes against the grain with me. I will finish this project, and we will get it together enough yeah. that I can go help this guy find the financing he needs. Because I think it's a good company, but they've been painting the wrong picture for their banks.
0: And And the bank has not picked it up.
1: Well, they just he he moved. He, what he did was he followed a banker, and that's going to get into what we're really talking about okay. today. This banker was with a large bank, so they had a lot of capacity. They probably had a lot of clients in his industry, and they could roll with the punches and understand. The banker left and went to a smaller bank where he's thinking, "Oh, I'll have more authority. I'll be king. Come with me. I can help yeah. you." but, but greater not, scrutiny and less resources. Correct. Correct. Okay. And um, so they're, they're they're moving in the right direction, but they have a a way to go with me. Um, so I wanted to talk about your conversation with Andy last yes. week as a prelude to this. I was so excited to hear you guys talking about KPIs because we had discussed that the week before. And that really is measuring on the operations side, but it feeds what I do in the financial side. And, um, I just want to compliment you on the discussion. I thought it went really well. You talked about the profit driver tree Yep. and he was saying the, uh, and I need to take a look at that, um. And breaking down financials so the employees can get line of sight about how their contribution affects the well being of the being. I just love that phrase, line of sight. Yeah. Uh, I probably am going to do a blog and, and oh. pull that in. I'll give you. I'll give you credit.
0: Uh, I don't deserve the credit for that. You can take that, but uh, the guy who did that was Jack Stack in a great game of business.
1: Okay. Good. Well, then we'll 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 quote an authority. That's right.
0: And Jack ran his own company, so that's okay. What and makes was them successful. Authority. I hope. Very okay, successful. I love that. Very profitable.
1: And then Andy talked about you have a data gathering process, then you monitor the actions being. Perform that pulls in the kpis the data is analyzed the data is converted to information and ultimately the goal is that the employees become self-directed and you turn them into creative subject matter experts and they lead innovation and and uh, you know I turn, you turn to them say, into I, business owners that's right of their own little and i had when i started my first company in 1990 he, my business partner and i talked about it and i was talking about being self-employed and being an owner and he said linda everybody is self-employed i went really he said, "Yes, every morning. If you want a paycheck, every morning you have to get yourself up and go to work and do something productive." <laughs> so, um, but the the ones who legally incorporate end up with a lot more responsibility. So, um, I thought, and then you, your segment, you talked about getting the right people into the organization. Yes, and based on what I'm dealing with with some of my clients, um, I'm I'm having people talk to me and say, Linda, I'm not sure what my bank is going to do next time, or. They've been merged, and I've got somebody I've never dealt with before. I don't know how to approach our upcoming negotiations. There's just a lot of concern. I thought this would be a great time to talk about how to make a bank, putting the right banking partner into your business. Right,
0: because that is, that is critical. I can tell you the company that I'm working with in uh, southwest Virginia, if it wasn't, and I can't I, I can't promote the bank on here. I wish I could. Right. Without that bank, they'd be done a long time ago. That bank has been awesome.
1: So, And I'm thrilled to hear that because I know you've had some challenges down there, but but Mm -hmm. that bank is going to be rewarded well.
0: Oh, yeah. It's already started. It's already started.
1: But sometimes you get into um, a banking relationship at the beginning of your company and it works for you. But as you grow, you may outgrow your bank or they may go through times and they just don't have a fit for you. So I have developed a tool and I sent it to you this morning. We're going to post it on the resources page. We're
0: going to put it up there. It's going to be available to you within the hour. Oh, good. Uh, and that's what within we're the hour ask. means between 11 and 12 not uh-huh. 10 and 11 I can't You're do everything right. that's
1: right no you can't so um, what it is is a two-page form page two is an individual bank interview form and I have organized seven categories of questions and I put some key questions on page two okay and just a little bit of room for them to put down some keywords really their gut impression. Of the answer that they get from the bank that's important your gut is telling you something i have a friend here in town who talks about the little spidey sense (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. well and we're talking to entrepreneurs and we know that entrepreneurs live off their gut right i mean and and that's not a bad thing because a lot of times it's right if it's got if it's based on facts right so what you're suggesting is let's get your intuition uh, based on facts.
1: facts from the bank right about the bank yeah let's interview them hey guys I'm not coming to you with my hat in my hand going, oh, I hope you'll lend me money because I have the seasonal cash flow problem. It's let me see if you're going to be a good partner for us. That's right. Completely changes the dynamic.
0: It sure does when it, when it's a two-way rather That's than right. you're looking for a bank, you know, to borrow money. You're, you're looking for a business partner is what you're trying to find.
1: That's exactly right. And um, the banks are all have a certain set of rules at the macroeconomic level and regulations. Right. Their job is to gather deposits from your friends, neighbors, employees, business associates, grandparents, whatever, and have money available. But their job is also to weed out the businesses that are not being run in a manner that um, provides a pretty positive expectation of repayment as agreed. They don't get to borrow from the pot of the community. And identify the businesses that are being managed and run and are in the right industry and are in the right market and are doing the things that your attributes and best practices and so forth, your model would show, um, where they have the highest probability of being able to repay as agreed. That's where those resources are supposed to go. And the banks play by the same set of rules, but then, based on their management, their market, their capitalization their experience with bad loans and so forth, they, even the even the lenders that they have, their experience in certain industries, then they're going to execute a little bit differently. Right. You've got to find the guys who can play ball with you.
0: That's right. That's right. And, and, and they, they were lucky down in southwest Virginia is that they've had the same bank for 27 years.
1: That is a small miracle, and I am so happy yep. for everybody. <laughs> they may have outlived one loan officer or two.
0: No, okay. I think it's but the same like, guy. Oh, I think yeah, he. I just great. think he was real young.
1: Okay. At well, the so he, so of this. here's the catch. You know, at some point, your banker, and that is a that's a trap. And I want you to look at these questions and yep. see what catches your eye and what right. in the categories. But um, that's a trap that you get so comfortable with that one person, and they're your voice in the bank. And then they age out and retire, or the bank is bought and they end up not being your banker anymore. And now nobody else in that bank. So I'm going to teach them over over time in these programs how to make sure that you've got breadth and depth in that bank that you don't have just one person who knows you
0: yeah it's kind of like having it's it's like having one account and you're getting 80 90 percent of your revenue from one account that count goes away you're done for
1: it's like when your dentist retires and you think oh no i've got it
0: and i didn't and i didn't get all the root canals done no
1: yeah it's like oh no a stranger i have to let a new stranger put their hands in my my mouth
0: You know, I never thought of it that way.
1: Oh, yeah, (laughs) I have. (laughs) Okay, so what you've got is you've got two pages. The back page is the page. You make five copies of it, and you interview the banks. Okay. And you make notes. You may want to take a lot of notes. Uh, One of the services I've offered to customers, even if they're around the country, is that we'll we'll interview the bank on a conference call. I can be there with you if that's what you want. But anyway, make your notes, and then I've got a simple scoring system, which is self-explanatory. We won't get bogged down in that. But there's a way then to calculate your mental your thoughtful and your guttural reaction to what you're hearing into a number not that it's been scientifically tested but it is useful well, and then you're going to summarize yeah. it on the first page
0: right okay i got turn, it converted
1: I... into a weighted average score right. for each of the seven categories
0: so so what what linda's talking about here is that if you're going to go out there and let's say you're going to interview a couple of banks which i recommend because it does change the dynamics is that you now have well, it's all subjective, but you now have something closer to an objective measure to make the comparison between the banks on seven critical areas, and you can look at it and say, given where we are and what we need, bank number two provides the best mix. It has the best score. I'm the most comfortable with bank two.
1: And I know we're talking, and you haven't had a chance to read it, but I wondered if anything jumped off the page. Um, Here's the way our listeners are selecting their banks now what's the lowest interest rate on this loan absolutely and you will know that's almost nowhere on the page it's buried in category seven loan relationship and pricing elements we're not even using this to compare specific term sheets or offers from banks we're comparing the bank's lending philosophy how they make the decision so let me give you an idea of what um on page one some of the questions okay okay so you want to ask your bank, how is your business banking and your commercial lending organized? Because it's really important. You need to know if you're going to get put into commercial lending or business banking. Okay. The quality, the skill set, the knowledge, and the experience of the lender is going to be much higher in the commercial. If you're dealing in a bank that's so large that they're going to peg you, you know, your $10, $15 million company, and you're still going to be in business banking where you're going to have uh, a, l- a lower skill set, Um, That's probably not a good fit for you. So you may need more of a community bank, a larger community bank that can handle your borrowing needs at that level. Uh But you're going to get a commercial lender. Um, You might even ask where their bankers are located. Uh, Credit training and skills of your bankers. Nobody ever thinks to ask that, but you deserve to know I'm counting on this person to run my requests up the flagpole to loan committee, I need yep. to know I've got somebody who knows what they're doing.
0: That's right. And, and knowing the org chart, knowing where they are on the org chart, tells me, you know, how much authority they have.
1: That's right. You can't really ask that. And I'm not telling you how much loan authority do you have, but you can ask how does your bank make decisions and is there a committee process and what kinds of bar- – right. at what borrowing and, level would and, I be escalated and, and the, to a and different And what department
0: process? and how is that – what department right. does that report to? You can pr- pretty quickly go, this person is one level from – the decision maker or there are three levels that's, from right. the decision that's maker.
1: information you can use Absolutely. and then um so n- just one other thing because I know we're sort of running out of time yeah. here um ask your bank if you've been borrowing from a long time they've been asking you for financial statements that's one of the things that drives you crazy and you mm-hmm. don't understand why it's so important and therefore you're letting your chief operating officer in your account and give you hybrid statements that make no sense um, ask them for the spreads. They've been spreading your financial statements, like a big Excel yeah. spreadsheet, columns for years and so forth. And ask them, what do you all say my debt coverage ratio is? How do you see me? Ask them,, can, are you at liberty to tell me what the risk rating on my relationship or my loans is and what I could do to raise that and improve that. Your banker will be shocked. No one asks them those questions, but you have a right to know.
0: Well, you, you also demonstrated a great deal of financial acumen. I, the one that did jump at me was the question number four, which had to do with underwriting approval and mm-hmm. executive relationship. Mm-hmm. Because I can I can tell you that in the company I'm working in, number four is probably the issue that has kept them together. That's right. Is that the, they understand the financials very well, the company. All that information is shared. It's transparent, obviously. But they trust the owner right they trust but if owner. that
1: guy dies or yeah. leaves or whatever if there's new management in that bank and they have to decide oh my gosh we're looking at the, you know if they're more numbers based as yep. opposed to relationship based that relationship might shake a little bit but you're getting it turned around to where they even the numbers people like it
0: oh, i think the numbers so, people are going to be pretty happy
1: i hope people okay. will go download this this is my gift to you all
0: right so download here, here's the deal i'll have it it'll i'll have to get back into the office this morning i'll have it up by noon and then you can download that, and in two weeks, when Linda's back, we are going to spend some time talking about it. So this is a tool that you could download, take right. a look at, and we can't do the whole show on it, but we could but take the first couple e- minutes on phone that's calls.
1: Email, yep, phone calls or email. Just okay. email us a question between now and then about this form or your loan situation, and we'll talk about those anonymously.
0: Okay. How do people reach you, Linda?
1: L. Heath at financialholographics.com or through our Richmond BizLife website.
0: Go go to resources and click Linda's beautiful face there with the headphone on, and you go to our website. And with that, we'll be back.
1: Hello, I'm Linda Heath, president of Financial Holographics and your chief business analyst. Our accounting and finance experts solve business mysteries for CEOs. 80% of private companies are struggling. Only 5% have it made. Where are you? Join me Saturday mornings at Richmond Biz Live for live answers to your nagging questions. Sponsored by Financial Holographics, where you don't have to know what to ask for to get what you need. Hi, Mike Carroll of
2: Sandler Training here in Richmond. Do you know the three most commonly made sales mistakes? Are you or your salespeople at fault? Visit focusbusiness.sandler.com to download your free report, The Three Biggest Sales Mistakes You Should Never Make. In this report, discover these unproductive sales strategies and what to do about them. Finally, take the pressure out of selling and reach your desired sales result. Visit focusbusiness.sandler.com to download your copy now.
0: And we're back. This is WLE News Talk 990 and the show is Richmond Biz Live, your only weekly business talk radio show focused on existing businesses and talking to owners who are looking to get a payoff from their years of investment. I didn't do this this morning when I started because I was in a hurry, but I have not uh, introduced our colleague, friend, and the real producer engineer of this show, Ryan. I don't know if I can forgive you, Bill. Okay, well I was I was looking at the time going I've got 30 <laughs> minutes or I'm dead so yeah, no problem yeah so how are you doing today I am doing good looking forward to having some friends come in cook out have a good time It sounds like yeah. a good it sounds like a good Saturday I'm yeah. gonna, I'll be thinking of you as I'm back in the, back in the office doing some work this afternoon not not that I'm looking for any uh, sympathy at all but, sure okay <laughs> all right so uh, I also want to do a couple shout outs um, wanna do a shout out to Brian Taylor at CBS uh, at News update Central Andrew Virginia. Taylor. For hundreds american like a, a ghost uh, Chamber CBS of Commerce Jeff uh, who is our latest sponsor to join to join in also our partners uh, Rich Retzer out in Kansas City Missouri handling our Midwest territory for gro- growth works and Kevin Granger who both operates our West Coast uh, office out of Las Vegas as well as our Canadian office out of Calgary Alberta and so with that I'd like to welcome back in the studio my good friend the president of Focus Business, part of the Sandler organization, Mike Carroll. Hey, Mike, how are you doing? Good morning, Bill.
2: Good morning. Always uh, exciting to be here. Yeah, it's always good to see you. So let's. Uh, so what, do got, what are you? What are you
0: going to rock and roll on today? Well,
2: I want to go back and uh, Patrick sat in last uh, session. Yeah. And uh, I've listened it out a couple of times, and and you guys really got after it.
0: Oh yeah, uh, I mean Patrick was hot, man. He was. Once, once he got on a roll, he was just like, I was going, man, I, this guy needs a half hour, not 15 minutes.
2: Well, it was a good fit because he was focusing on synchronization of marketing and sales, the message, the uh-huh. branding, the whole thing. He really kind of uh, has taken charge of that aspect of our business. Uh, the Sandler training corporate really has uh, engaged and embraced all the social media type platforms and so forth, which... I was overwhelmed three or four years ago when this really started to rock, and Patrick has taken that and really run we- run with it and and done a great job. And, and that's why when I listened to you you guys on the last show uh, around bringing the sales and marketing and, and and really emphasizing the importance that sales and marketing be synchronized, right? Uh, you know, in the branding aspect, all that's got to be touching the market in the same way. Uh, and then, of course, the sales automation piece. But I don't know, yeah. what what did you pull out? Well, I I, I think, yeah, he
0: gave it, actually gave the, the more emphasis to marketing and sales than I had intended in the show. But he's dead on because in a lot of larger corporations, you find that marketing and sales are actually at odds. I know. Well,
2: that, and uh, that's that's been, there's just been so much information written about that Because of the social media and everybody realizes now. You know, you remember when you didn't really put your information out there because you wanted to hold it almost like it was confidential. Well, you know, the white papers, all that is about putting your information out there. Well if those message if those white papers and and all of that Uh information that's being put out on your website, I mean look you go look at people's websites and all of a sudden the website message is not in step with what the sales team is talking. about. Absolutely.
0: In fact, our new website, which should be up at the end of the month is a business magazine. Right. right. I mean, that's what it's going to be. It's not going to be anything promotional. It's going to be, here's all the stuff that we are working on, that we're reading, that we're researching, that we're using for product development. And the idea is for the, uh, for the, uh, the visitor, for the business owner, for the entrepreneurial executive to go there and go, well, that's an interesting piece of information. I need to learn about that further, do a drill down. Maybe we got enough. We don't. Do a Google search, and suddenly they know something they didn't know, and they can run their business better.
2: And, and you know, you think about yourself. I mean, most people, I would. I don't know what the, the demographics are, but I would have to say if you're running a business, and I don't care what size it is, uh, and you're involved, you've got a website, your products and services that you're selling if you're in distribution uh, your potential customers can go out and research lots and lots of information yeah. so that's why it's so important and we really train hard at sandler with the salespeople about being in step with what's on the what's being written out on the net yeah about their products and services because if you show up as a salesperson You've got to assume that that potential client or your customers have read that. So all of a sudden, if you're not in step, right. what we say, you know, one of the things we say is that uh, they, they don't. It used to be that that folks, uh, prospects and customers wanted to see salespeople because they were the best
0: source of good information. information. And you and I have really hammered on that. <laughs> that, that. That's the greatest field intelligence unit in that, the world. Well, what the media, social media
2: and, and the internet done is kind of leveled that information right. feel. So now what we say to the salespeople, when you show up, they're verifying what you know because they've probably already right, read a right. lot. Of it. So, And that's why that whole piece on synchronizing sales and marketing is right. critical.
0: And, and and the issue of content marketing, and I know Mary's not with us this season, but in, the, in season one, Mary Foley, and by the way, that's maryfoley.com, Mary talked about the power of content marketing. Yes. And so if you think about it, we all have different uh, sales models. I happen to be a Rackman trained guy on spin. And part of that process is at some point they're going to comparison shop. Yep. Well, you use the web to provide the data that not only can they make the comparison, but you kind of bury the competition. Yeah. That's when they go, wow, these guys are far smarter than the other people were, were evaluating. Yeah.
2: Well, I mean that's you know the more you really drill down, and that's what I try to relate to. Always, I mean, one of the things we always say is, uh, you know, put yourself in the shoes of your customers, right? And we, all, I mean, you and I have talked about yeah. that, knowing their persona, knowing, you know, no one on in their business, how you're helping their business, and how you can help them go forward. And but it is. It is so much information out there. You know, a couple of other things from the last show because y'all talked about sales automation. Right. And um our good friend Ben Meredith yeah. at uh you know, at Benchmark. I mean,
0: Ben is um what's what's his URL for everybody web page?
2: I'm not sure. All right.
0: It. We should have done this beforehand. Ben uh, Meredith, do a Google search on Meredith, M E M E R E D I T H. Yeah.
2: And Well, actually, I, I haven't said this to you, but I'll say it I'll say it on the air. But I've talked to Ben, and really, we're going to work together over the next quarter, the next segment of the shows, because what he does, is a, it is sales automation. I mean, Ben's a guy that, I mean, you know Ben pretty well, I think. Oh, yeah. It. Yeah, well, Ben started back in, con- I always kid him, well, your contact management system, you really can tell a story because you start over with index cards. And, but telemagic,
0: you know, the first, he and I talked about the first DOS system, 8020. Right.
2: And so Ben, um, we've actually done a few talks together Mm -hmm. because he's talking about the sales automation piece and managing the data. And what we've done and what he's, what he, how he kind of endorses what we do is that he says, you know, with, and y'all mentioned CRMs last show, Patrick was talking about customer relationship management programs. And and it, it's not obvious, but it is obvious. What Ben makes it really obvious is if you don't have a good sales process underneath your CRM that's driving through your pipeline, and right. we'll talk a little bit about that today with forecasting, then it doesn't work. That's right. I mean, you got to have a good process. So, Last show was, uh, you know, it really feeds well into what we're talking about because sales forecasting uh, and the sales compensation plan is only going to be as good as the data that you're you're looking at.
0: That's and right. that's
2: what the sales automation is all about. But it's a challenge too, Bill.
0: Oh, it, it really is because if the salespeople do not see the CRM as user-friendly and supportive of what they're doing, then you're going to have to engage in some sort of coercion. I mean, I worked at one place. Where if you didn't keep the CRM up to date, you didn't get paid. All right. That's and I, I I personally do not like that methodology, but as an executive, I couldn't forecast, I could not forecast sales because they didn't have the data because they didn't put it in. I understand. And
2: I see it. I've got it going on. In fact, I had a conversation with Ben Meredith yesterday and I said, Ben, because all this really ties together. I mean, again, I compliment how you've put this thing, the shows together. But when you go back and we were originally talking about, okay, strategies. Well, well what is your sales bottle? Is it transactional? Is it consultative? Is it relationship? Well, you, we go back to strategies, which drives behaviors. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've got clients right now that we've got the behaviors down. Now we're really trying to track them. And the salespeople... Because I'm a third-party guy, so they can yeah. they can complain to me, right? The, the, yeah. And I want it that way. Mm-hmm. I wanted my own salespeople to complain to me. And I, I really let them do that. Now, they mm-hmm. knew I was pretty good at, well, I was a sales guy for five years, so yeah. I knew what they were dealing with. Yeah. But the, what I'm seeing now, and this is what I said to Ben, Ben, we have to figure a way. And that's what I heard you and Patrick talk about, HubSpot and all these other things mm-hmm. that can automate. The, the guy's saying, look, man, I— I'm trying to record my sales calls, you know, and I maybe get 60% of them. I mean, so that's why I went to Ben to say, wow, this is critical information. And that's what the sales automation does for us. So, I mean, we could go on and on. I, I right. the, the, the two other terms y'all threw out, I think is important as we go forward was sales enablement. Right. Yep. Which i think companies now in fact sandler just entered well this has been in the mill for a year or so Mm -hmm. and you've heard this term i think i use enterprise selling yep yeah it's another one of those hot buzzwords but what it's all about is everybody in an organization everybody on your team needs to understand if they are interfacing with the customer they need to understand the sales process. They need to understand the persona, the buying process of the yep. customer. Because let's face it, let's let's flip the sales forecasting now. Because Linda took off on me. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> I heard her in here a couple shows ago talking about um, doing a budget. Right. And yep. a budget is only good is what's at the top line, right? That's That's right. Whatever, you know, the budget's only good if the forecast is good. There you go. And it never, to me, forecasting, and you, I'd love to hear what you have to say. Cause you already just talked about that when you try to do a for, you were trying to do a forecast recently and you don't have the data.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and of course I've got to report to somebody cause all of us are somebody's bucket orderly. In other words, you know, unless you're at the very, very top of the organization, you got to answer somebody, you know, it's not a pleasant when you go in there and you go, well, this is my best guess. And we've got to make cash flow decisions about where we spend money based upon what we think we got sales. I'll tell you just quickly what I'm doing right now. I am actually having running three forecasts. I'm running a sales forecast. I'm running a production forecast, which allows us to bill. And I am running an, an accounts receivable forecast. The only way I can get on top of our numbers is to run three separate forecasts. So when you say production forecast, you mean what's in production or what's, right.
2: what's in the pipeline? What, no, what's
0: in production because in, we okay. have some accounts that we cannot bill until we install, and we have some accounts that we can bill as a percentage of completion. And in the past, okay. we never balanced the workload in the system. You know, We had months where we did a lot of work and made no money. Why? Because we didn't get paid in install. And so now what I'm doing is I'm wow. making sure that 50% of what's on the floor is immediately billable that month. But I had to pr- produce a billing forecast okay. in order to look at it and go, we're killing ourselves here because, to me, you go beyond 30 days paying me, that's a that's a loan. And, yep. you know, most of our companies, you know, my guys down w- in Southwest Virginia, they're not a bank. They sure. don't have the money to loan to their general contractors, et cetera. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so, it, but I have to run three forecasts to stay on top of our numbers. Oh.
2: And I, you know, I understand that. I, I used to feel that pressure. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, when you talk about forecasting and you talk about sales forecasting, I mean, that's the lifeblood. I mean, the sales drives really everything. I mean, it it really gives you, uh, the ability to determine, you know, what kind of labor force you're going to need. I I mean, it's just on and on. And I, I mean, I know every business is different. So when I I speak to the folks out there, I mean, you may be in distribution. So the things that sales really come into a big play on is, you know, your inventory control, your receive, all those things come into play. Right. Um, So, I mean, you could go on and on about sales forecasting, but it is probably one of the most crucial parts. I mean, you talk about financial planning. That's what Linda was talking about. Well, it starts there, but then you talk about the production aspect of it. Yeah, I used to think about you know these companies like IBM in the old days when you know a lead time on a on a mainframe was a year. Well, man, yeah. I mean, you think about forecasting that. Oh, yeah. But see, that's a variable when you start. So I don't think we need to go a lot more into how
0: important it is. It's just crucial. Right. So what what are some tips? What are yeah. some uh, tips that you would give our uh, to our listener base? To help them do a better job of sales forecasting.
2: Well, number one, you got to make sure you're tracking the data. In other words, when I say that, you you know what your past sales have looked like. You know, you want to see if there's trends in that. I mean, companies some companies are seasonal, right? So, number one, you want to look at you know you want to you want to really look at that. The other thing, when you're going to forecast, this is kind of interesting. It starts back to your sales forecast. Is it matching up with your with your strategies? Yes. Okay. Remember we talked about it. you go yeah. back to those strategies, and uh, it really helps you uh, from a standpoint of making sure that what we're asking our sales team to be doing, okay, is going to give us the results. Mm-hmm. So you're looking at past data. I mean, part of that is is really determining. Um, What do a SWOT analysis, the old strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats, threats, you know, as you start to put your sales forecast together. And that's one of the things that you go back and you look at history on each account, especially your, you know, your sweet spot customers, those Mm -hmm. core, those core accounts. And look at what they've done with you last year and see, you know, some of that business may be repeatable. Some of it may not come back right so that's the kind of tips is to really know have good data from a history standpoint and and understand that and break it down to the account
0: okay
2: i mean you know the other thing is part of a good forecast is really understanding of course your sales process because where i'm going with this bill is you because everybody talks about pipeline management now and you know, there's a lot of old spreadsheets out there that were pretty good. Yeah. But understanding your strategy, your sales strategy and your sales process. And then on the other side of that, and probably more important is understanding your customers buying Mm -hmm. process.
0: That's right. In other words, you know, did use the terms that Andy would, if Andy uh, Schullick was in here for metamorphosis, he would say, you've got to map out their buying process. Absolutely. And then how do you hook up to that? Because part of your forecasting would be, maybe that's where I get my metrics from, is that if we're at this stage in their buying process, we've been 60% successful in the past. So if we have them looking at $100,000, then maybe my sales forecast says, I think we got $60,000 here. There you go. That's right. And that's where
2: the, the, I mean, I like the term pipeline. I mean, really what that does is, you know, from a good forecasting, as you go through and you look at the the um, the the milestones in your sales process. So, in other words, if and this is where your selling is the killer. I mean, yeah. it's just awesome if you say if somebody wants to take a lead and move it into the pipeline, which people can determine use different terms, but typically most people will say if it's an opportunity, we have to know this these variables before you can get right. it in a pipeline. Right. So that may be stage one. That's one milestone. Next milestone may be that we've had a face-to-face meeting. We understand that they have a need for our product. So you go right through most pipelines. I see will have five or six milestones. Yeah. You...
0: Mine has three. I use the Miller Hyman of leads, suspects, prospects, contracts. Right. So basically three stages. And so when I do my forecast, I
2: believe I could help you with that.
0: Oh, you want to talk about that? (laughs) Well, no, no, really. Yeah,
2: a little bit, because what we're going to say, we're going to, we're going to clear that opportunity, uh, for the standpoint that we know they've got a solution that we can potentially solve. Second is they got budget.
0: Right. Okay. And and that, that's how I typically qualify a suspect is I provide what they need and they have the budget to pay for it. Now, the question is, can I convince them? that I'm the best provider right. or that now is the right time to make the decision. Yeah. So that's part of our sales process, but yeah, I'd love to do this.
2: Well, again. and then, it, and then you're going to wait each Now that's why your history in tracking the, the processes is so important. Yep. The deal is sales forecasting is a continual process. It's kind of like the old, uh, what we call the constant sales improvement triangle. Patrick yep. mentioned that. Yep. Hey, again, this is, the sales automation, the forecasting is all the structure piece. And in that structure step, you know, you got your strategies Uh at the base of the triangle. Then you come up to the structure. Well, the other part as you move down the sales funnel is that once you've got budget now, I got to understand your decision process. Right. And if I don't say my history of my pipeline, if I know somebody's got budget, then maybe I've got – my history shows me that when I get them to that point and they've got budget, and i got 50% uh, probability that business will close. I mean, it goes back to where you, you wait it as you go along. Right. Then once I get through the decision step, I ought to have them up to close to 90%. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, it, 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 but it, it. but that's how you do it. I, I just love I, – I, well, it's a love-hate relationship mm-hmm. with forecasting. Oh, yeah. But think about what Wall Street does. You know, Bill – Publicly held companies, you can learn a lot from them. I spent two years at one, and forecasting, I really learned to really appreciate what we were doing. So that's what. But you look at them, we talk about all the benefits of having a good forecast. You know, managing the inventory, your labor force, your receivables, all those things. The other one, Wall Street, your investors. Oh yeah. You think about that you miss your forecast in the in the what in the public health sector in, you, you,
0: you and and what it. mike's saying is true because imagine this your forecast is that you're going to add a dollar let is say that your profitability wise you're going to add a dollar to the bottom line and you only add 75 cents now compare condition a to you say we're only going to add 50 cents to the bottom line and you produce 60. which of the two companies produce more money the first one Who's going to get killed on the market? The, the first, first one, one. Because what are you saying when you're bad forecast? Yeah. You don't know how to run your business. That's
2: exactly right. Yeah. So
0: that's, a. I mean, I,
2: I made a note of that, that, I mean, that is a, I always believe it. small and mid-sized businesses, boy, you can learn a lot watching those public people. But when you get in that race, you better be ready to run. I mean, because I saw that.
0: And then and, and that's why a lot of the smaller business owners never get there. Right. Right. because that is not a place for newbies. Right.
2: Well, and that's, as you well know, that's where a lot of small business owners today come back out of that to say, I've had enough.
0: Yeah, I, I want to start something small so I know everybody. I want that's to right. be the hub running the spokes. That's right. right. Hey, I,
2: we didn't get compensation. All
0: right, we'll but, pick up compensation in the next show.
2: Absolutely, but
0: Wait. it's a great, That's another great tool. Um, oh, I love tr- talking about sales yeah. compensation because you get you know, it, you and I have had this conversation many times. All sales comp plans work. Yep. The problem is if they're badly designed, you get behaviors you don't like. Exactly. But it's working.
2: Yeah. And the challenges with around everything in business today is because you got to have good data. And I, I do think small mid-sized businesses have great opportunity because a lot of the the software and the and the things that can drive good data is
0: affordable. I know. We're right now investigating buying a BI a business intelligence platform. We will be offering it to our clients. Right, right. We can afford it. Sure. Five years ago, I couldn't contemplate it. Sure.
2: Bill, if All folks right. have questions, focusbusiness.sandler, dot com, or of course, go right to richmondbizlive.com. Um, that's it. And go at it. Mike, always great seeing you. Been fun. Thank Give you. my best to Patrick. Yes, sir, I will. Thank and you. we'll be back. All right.
0: Hello, I'm William Eastman. You know me as the executive producer of Richmond Biz Live. In my other role as managing partner of the Growth Works, I spend time helping business owners get their companies on track and paying them back for years of investment and sacrifice. However, before I can make the necessary changes, you must answer the following question, where are you? In our research, we have identified three types of small business, 80% that are just getting by, 15% who are doing okay but wondering what's next, And then there's the 5% who dominate a market or a niche, and what they're wondering is, how do I break out? So I pose the question to you, where are you? If you wanna understand this question and the significance of the answer better, go to our membership site, growthworks.net, and download our paper on where are you. Learn how to move from the 80% to the 15, and from the 15 to the 5%. This level of success and profitability is within your reach. Gain the advantage over your competitors by downloading it today. And we're back. This is Richmond biz live on WLE news talk nine ninety. Um, I think I've got about uh, five minutes with you. So let me, uh, Linda and Mike were just too hot to turn down. So we just had to keep rolling with the show. Let me, uh, let me pick up on where Mike is. And I, where Mike left off on this whole forecasting thing. And the reason I'm doing that is because I'm living that occurrence right now in Southwest Virginia is that, uh, the way, the way that we've been doing forecasting, and I think that probably the easiest way that you could get that done is simply this. you know, so, so Let's say you have four, five, six steps in your sales process, right? You pick them. I, I talked about we have four steps. We have four major steps, and then there's little steps in between. So the reality is I think there's 12 steps uh, total. And so what you begin to do is you begin to say, okay, What you're looking for is two things. One, how quickly do you go from step to step? And what percentage of people can you move along? And so those are really the two critical metrics. Now, our general categories is leads, suspects, prospects, and contracts, which is something that uh, guys, uh, Miller-Hyman, put together, I guess, about 25 years ago. I would never replaced it or come up with something better because, quite frankly, I think it's pretty good. And so basically where your leads come from, the leads come from your marketing activities and your branding. And so again, if you're looking at it and you're saying, where's my return on investment from marketing? Look at it this way. 50% of marketing is brand recognition so that you're not cold calling. 50% of the money you spend on branding should be producing leads. Once you get them there, then how do I get those leads and convert them into somebody that meets basically two criteria? One is, their need equals our offer. And two, they have the financial wherewithal to do that. And then what, what, do we, what activities do we engage in to move them from there to where they are now interested? Because in these days of permission marketing, I want you to consider this. It's called permission selling. In other words, are they willing to be sold to? And if the answer is yes, then you can go ahead and, and when they become uh, prospects, then what you can do is you can begin to go into the selling process. And what all we do is we track our numbers in terms of time, because what that tells me is then how long is it going to take before we can begin to manufacture it, which then tells me on my billing on my um, on my billing side what can I bill on percentage of completion. Uh, but the other thing it tells me is what percentage are we moving through the pike? So let's say that, uh, and this is what I did to the guy who runs our sales uh, uh, division is that I told him that he's got to get an X number of bids every month out there. And that I know they're not all gonna come through, but because of the numbers, I know that what they'll do percentage wise is they'll turn into the right set of numbers. And so when you think about forecasting, make it that simple. Say this is the eight or nine steps we go through as a company from the time we touch somebody the first time until we close a deal and then track two things. One is the percentage of people who move from one to the other, and track the amount of time. And now you can manage the sales funnel, but more importantly, you're going to have an accurate forecast. And like Linda was talking about, I'll have Linda's papers up on the website. So you just go to after 12 today, richmondbizlive.com and look in the resources section and ideas you can use and you'll find that. So with that, thanks for uh, tuning in today uh, and wealth and prosperity to all. Take care. business to pay it back hello i'm william eastman executive producer of richmond biz live and if this is your challenge as a business owner then don't miss a single show either listen live at 10 o'clock every saturday on wle news talk 990 or download our podcast at richmondbizlive.com every show we tackle those issues in marketing sales people customers and finance that are limiting your success if it's time to get paid back for your years of investment and sacrifice join us this saturday at 10 o'clock for richmond biz live